Welcome to Live on Purpose Radio with Dr. Paul Jenkins, where you will hear inspiring stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Feed your mind with a regular dose of positive energy and show up for your life every day on purpose. Living on purpose means that you have a purpose and you do it intentionally. And now, here's your host, Dr. Paul. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Live on Purpose Radio. This is Dr. Paul, a shrink who expands your life with another episode of Live on Purpose Radio. Joining me today is Dr. Rick, specifically Dr. Rick Brinkman. Now, Rick is a speaker, he's an author, he's a naturopathic physician who has discovered the power of communication, and he trains and teaches people in a way that is is fun and engaging, which caught my attention (laughs) and it's completely connected to principle and psychologically sound i love what you're doing dr rick brinkman welcome to live on purpose radio all right thank you paul it's a pleasure to be here and i love the title of your uh, program you know it's it's fun to consider the possibility that maybe we could do what this program suggests yeah yep we could actually live on purpose i've found that a lot of people just kind of have life pushing them around Yes, definitely. Going with the flow or the winds or tides, yeah. whatever analogy, but as opposed to really, what do I want and what's it going to take to get there? Rick, as a physician, you were trying to help people make important changes in their lives. And, and some people don't see that they have a choice. That's part of the task, right, is to help them to see, first of all, that they have a choice and then to do the things that actually move them in a healthy, productive direction. Yeah. And that's been part of your path because in discovering that, it kind of created a shift in your career. Yeah, for sure. You know, I, I started studying communication as a way of uh, being more influential to my patients to make lifestyle changes that are good for them. Because mm-hmm. as a naturopathic physician, you're really stepping back and looking at the whole picture and a person's diet and such. But as I step back and look at the whole picture, you know, we're not just a bunch of physiology. You have uh, your mind, your thoughts, you have your emotions. And as I dug deeper into people's lives, I found that a lot of times I could deal with their relationship issues and magically their symptoms went away. I'll give you an example. This is early on. Uh, I had a woman had arthritis. She's had it 15 years. She's tried everything I've ever heard of, uh, whether it was traditional or uh, complementary. Back then it was a cold alternative. Mm-hmm. And uh, nothing worked that should have worked. So I figured, well, all right, what do I got to lose? I'll pry into her life. Of course, we both know... Uh, friends pry, health professionals like us probe. There you go. I find her husband works for the federal government and flies back and forth to Washington, D.C. each week. Now, she's hated that job for 20 years, hasn't expressed it, wants to support him. When minor upsets would occur, she wouldn't deal with it because only had two days a week together. She would suppress that. He was supposed to take an early retirement, decided against it on his own. She suppressed her feelings about that too. Now, if you suppress too much for somebody you care about, it's going to build up a barrier between the two of you. My entire prescription to her is to teach her how you share upset without the other person feeling attacked. She did this, and 30 days later, her symptoms were gone. And they stayed gone. 
Another example, and this is like the book Life by Design, I had a patient who was depressed. He went through two years of psychoanalysis. At the end of the two years, the analysis is you're, is you're depressed. He said, I knew that coming in, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> then he's put on medication. Now he's more depressed because, first of all, the medication really wasn't working for him. But secondly, he didn't realize he was violating a personal value by being on medication. So I started asking about his life. I said, uh, where are you now in life? He goes, oh, I'm in a dead-end job going nowhere. I say, what about in your past? He goes, filled with failure. I said, how's the future look? He says, more of the same. Pretty depressing. I mean, here's a quick tip for your listeners in case they ever get too happy. Here's how you bum yourself out. (laughs) You pick something in your present that you hate and see it keep going forever in your future. Right. (laughs) immediately feel bad. Well, I had him clarify his values. We set some goals. We made a plan. We tuned up his self-esteem. Boom. Two months later, he starts his own business. Depression is just magically gone. And so that was, that was career changing for me. Wow. We've arrived at a similar place in our careers from different paths. Wow. Uh-huh. And that's one of the things that I've liked about uh, checking into some of the things you've written and, and the presentations that you've done. I, I, I felt a connection there because you're honing in on some principles that are so powerful for us as human beings. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to me that as a naturopathic physician, you wrote a prescription for a communication pattern <laughs> that uh-huh. somehow resolved this this person's physical and physiological symptoms. Yeah. Fascinating, isn't it? Yeah, we're, we're connected. You can't separate. It's the separation of parts of the body. It's all academic. It's not how it really works. Yes. Right. <laughs> you know... Um, I, I, I want to look at this communication a little bit, okay? Because that seems to be at the core of one of the books that, and this is a a bestseller for you. You've collaborated with Dr. Rick Kirshner on a, a couple of different books. Yes, but the one that caught my attention was dealing with people you can't stand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And incidentally, folks, there's another one that you can get called. Dealing with family. I can't remember the exact title, but dealing with relatives. Dealing uh, with relatives. That's all I have to say. <laughs> Is it the same book with a different cover? I mean, sometimes uh, well, people you can't stand. Ironically, we come we, packaged right in your family. We didn't feel like you should say can't stand. And we had a big thing with McGraw Hill about that. And they really wanted the can't stand brand. We uh, compromised on in parentheses smaller, dealing with relatives, uh, even if you can't stand them. But what we discovered is that people were afraid to have the book around. They were afraid their relative might see right. the book. Yeah, you don't and want that on the coffee table when no. you come over for <laughs> exactly. Thanksgiving. Exactly. But it, so it wasn't exactly the same book. But we took the idea of all right, what are the? We interviewed about two hundred people, and what are the? types of behaviors they run into, like with relatives, you got people who will be a martyr, uh, you've got a, a meddler, you've got a, a judge who's going to give you a guilt trip, martyr will also give you a guilt trip. And so there were some similarities to the 10 behaviors in the people you can't stand, but then there were some unique behaviors too. And in fact, we subsequently added the martyr, meddler, and judge into the edition that you have. Yeah. Well, when you said the 10 behaviors that you can't stand. I thought, give or take three or four. Yeah, yeah, right. Because you've added a few to that. And one of the things I like about the book is that you've 
conceptualize that for us. Mm-hmm. And people will recognize this. I mean, you go into uh, the whiner and the mm-hmm. martyr mm-hmm. And, and the tank and mm-hmm. the sniper. Yeah. And there's descriptions about each of these people that just drive us nuts. Yeah. But the key here, I think, starts with the communication pattern and where you are inside of your own heart and mind as you show up in that relationship. Can you just speak to that for just a minute? Well, where yeah. it is that we start? Well, we start with knowing that, uh, first of all, you're no one's victim without your permission. Eleanor Roosevelt mm. said that. And that it's not personality. You got to really separate personality from behavior. Uh, behavior is fluid. It's constantly changing. One minute person is normal. Then they blow up their tantrum. Then they withdraw and they're quiet. Then they're whining. Then there's something else. Behavior changes according to two critical factors. Context, where are we? What's going on? And relationship, who are we with? You could know somebody who seems to be a bully most of the time at work, but you don't get to see them when they become a total wimp in a different relationship. Yeah. My wife is fond of telling people she has to come to a seminar to hear me speak. <laughs> because in, mo- in most social situations, I'll be a nothing person. <laughs> but I explained to her, I'm a professional. You have to pay me. That's right. <laughs> that is funny. And, so, and so true. I think for, for people in general, we show up in different ways in different contexts or settings. It, exactly. It's like clothing. Depending on where you are, what's going on, who you're going to be with, what the weather is, you're going to wear different types of clothing. If you're going out for a run, you're wearing something. If you're going to a formal event, you're wearing something different. When you go to work and you're with your boss, you're going something different. When you're lounging at home, it's something different. And so behavior is fluid. And so the point of the book is to not make people wrong for how they are, but understand what's behind it. You know, like, for example, with whining. Uh, Whining starts out of a feeling of being helpless. Usually the person will have a high standard of perfection. They could see what could be. They look at what is. What is does not measure up to what could be. And then they feel helpless to do anything about it. That's how whining starts. (laughs) Negativity is similar but a little different. Negativity isn't helpless. It's hopeless. They've already given up. And uh, when people get negative, they have all the sureness and arrogance of a know-it-all seduced by the dark side of the force. And so if you understand this, because all of us can whine now and again, we're going to have different stress behaviors depending on context or relationship. When you start understanding what, what motivates that, that opens up the door to what's the strategy I need to do to get this person out of it and do both of you a favor. Right. These different categories we might handle a little differently depending on what motivates that behavior that we find particularly annoying. Yes. Uh, But there are some common threads through all of these. And I noticed in, in your book, Rick, that you talk about communication, which has at least two important parts to it. Uh, I've, I've described this to my clients sometimes as you have a sender of Mm -hmm. the message and you have a receiver of the message yes unfortunately in a lot of our communications we have two senders that show up yes right Uh uh-huh so can you address that for a minute i think your approach is so helpful that we have to prioritize which role we want to take first. Yeah, absolutely. You know, just because you go blah, 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 and make a bunch of noises and have some expressions and gestures, 
that's not communication. It's only if you land the concept accurately in the other person's mind, can they receive it. And I'd say a good rule is to always let people feel understood first before you try to tell them anything. Yes. Let them go first. People can only pay attention to seven, give or take two things at any one time consciously. If they have something urgent they want to say, they may be nodding and looking at you, but they're just waiting for breathing changes and then want to jump in and say what they have to say. And I would say one of the most powerful skills you can do is develop is to be able to have something you want to say and put it aside temporarily and focus in on the other person. And if you can do that, you can't get in an argument with anybody because an argument is nothing more than two people who want to be understood very badly at the same time. But at that moment, nobody can do it. Because nobody's listening. Exactly. Exactly. Implies mm-hmm. a listener. Exactly. Be that guy first. Yes. I and, love this. And there are four parts to listening we found in general. The first part is kind of passive. You don't want to interrupt people. You just want to let them talk. But you give meaningful looks, nod your head, and you give them some occasional grunts. Huh. Huh. Hmm. Acknowledgements, really. Yeah. You want them to know you're right there with them, with them but you want to stay out of their way. Then you... If you hear them repeat something they've already told you, that's a signal that I'm not sure you got it. I'm not sure you got it. So you go, all right, excuse me, let me just make sure I understand. And then you backtrack. You give them a backtrack summary of what you heard so far. And if you can summarize it, that shows you've been listening. But understanding is like a second objective. That's a little deeper. And so the next step is to clarify, ask a bunch of questions to find out more. Even if you think you totally understand, don't believe it. Go deeper. Ask a bunch of questions to find out more because anytime you ask questions, it shows you really care to understand. And when you put that listening and caring together, this is what gives people the feeling of being understood. Beautiful. And once they're understood, the doors to the mind go, and they're wide open. (laughs) Ah, and a lot of other magical things happen. Rick, when we come back from this break, let's dig a little further into that communication pattern. I think that's rich. Folks, this is Dr. Rick Brinkman at Live On Purpose Radio. We'll be right back. Are you ready to take your positivity to a whole new level? I've been enjoying these conversations with my guests at Live On Purpose Radio. My own story about becoming more positive is something that I've shared in my book, Pathological Positivity. And right now, I'm giving the book away. You just pay for the shipping. Go to drpauljenkins.com, spelled with a D-R, and click on the big orange button right there that will get you a free copy of my book. You pay the shipping, I'll pay for the book. Sound like a good deal? Power up your positivity and get ready to see phenomenal changes in your happiness, your relationships, your business, every aspect of life. Enjoy this free gift from me, drpauljenkins.com. And we're back. Dr. Rick Brinkman at Live On Purpose Radio today. Fun theme to live on purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as we're getting into this communication pattern, uh, Rick, right before the break, you were... I think driving home the point that communication implies that we have both a sender and a receiver, a talker and a listener. Yes. 
arguments can't happen. Let me see if I can remember exactly how you mm -hmm. put this. You can't get into an argument if you're busy listening. Mm -hmm. Did I catch that correctly? Yes, yes. If you can put aside what you have to say, you can't get an argument because an argument is two people who want to be understood badly at the same time and nobody can do it. Uh, two senders show up, we got a problem. Yes, definitely. Two listeners show up, then, well, well it's kind of quiet. We call that nothing. <laughs> nothing, people. We're just sitting around. <laughs> we'll call that a meditation. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh -huh. But if we got... It, it, if communication is going to happen, somebody has to volunteer to be the listener. And you're, ex you're encouraging us, I think, to assume that position first. Yes. Yeah. And if we go to some of those difficult behaviors. So, for example, listening and understanding can happen very quickly or it could be lengthy. When somebody's being a tank, they've got to move forward. It's all get it done. It's all about you're either part of moving forward or you get eliminated. There's no time, no tangents. Uh, and so in a tank attack, you're just going to backtrack a couple of greatest hits. Sir, 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 I hear you think I'm a genetic mistake or way behind. You bet you're way behind. You're also going to cost us. Sir, 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 here it's going to cost us. That's, that's listening and understanding. But ultimately, with a tank attack, you want to create forward motion. Now, if we go to another extreme, with a know-it-all, it's going to be a lot more lengthy. You know, the know-it-all believes their idea is a gift from God, and why listen to your clearly inferior ideas. Mm. <clears throat> so with the know-it-all, you have to do a lot of backtracking and clarifying. But what's good is, unlike a tank, they're not in a hurry. They're happy to pontificate and tell you how much they know from now till the cows come home. And what you want to seek as you, not only that they're listened to, but what are their criteria? What are the reasons they believe their idea is the gift from God? What are the reasons other people's ideas will not work? It's ideal when you start gathering that to also do it visually, like on a whiteboard or a yellow pad or something, so they see that you're getting it and you're getting the relevant factors. And then when, once they get that you get all the factors and that you understand them, it's very easy for you and to say, perhaps we should consider also this, and you could add one more factor to their list and it's non-threatening to their ego right now if we go over to whining then the understanding process is a little bit also lengthy but a little different and that the know-it-all will give you specifics right away but when people are whiny or negative they say everything's wrong and you say what specifically and they say all of it and you say when does it occur and they say it happens all the time and you say who's <laughs> doing it and they say everybody and you ask well what have you tried they say everything <laughs> this is par for the course you're going to go five to seven questions spinning your wheels going nowhere you got to be ready for this because you don't want to bail out. You want to outlast them at this phase. Even if you recycle questions you already asked because they're trapped in their own generalizations that everything's wrong. And we have a part of our brainstem called our reticular activating system, which is like radar. So if you get married, you see everyone getting married. If you're interested in a certain car, there it goes again. And what's happening for whining and negativity is their radar is going, doot, doot, there's another problem. Oh, there's another one. There's another one. And that's all they're seeing. So you got to break down those generalizations to specifics. And so it's, it's lengthy, but if you stay with it, you'll finally go boom, and you're looking at a real problem. These behaviors, and by the way, Rick, you do the whiner so well. <laughs> I don't know it, if that's a compliment or not. <laughs> well, I feel annoyed, so <laughs> you, do very, 
Okay. <laughs> um, we all face those, right? Yeah. yeah. And our, t- our natural response to that, you know, the annoyance that we feel, has us maybe compounding the problem mm-hmm. in the way that we react to them instead of taking an intentional approach, which, as you've illuminated here, starts with assuming the listener role and listen to understand. Yes. Go for the understanding. If you accomplish the understanding, ding, 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 you win. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. And then once you're in that position, I think you said this earlier, the, the doors of the mind open. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The defenses come down when someone feels understood. And I think we have to postpone our own need to be understood. Definitely. Until that whiner is convinced that we get their position. Yes. Until the, the judge or mm-hmm. the bank or some mm-hmm. of these other personas that you've illustrated in your book, until they get and are satisfied that we understand. Yes. Where they're coming from. Am I capturing that correctly? Yeah. If, if the person isn't feeling understood, you're banging your head against a closed door. So who needs the headache? Oh, right. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm our natural inclination might be to make sure that they get it. Yeah. But that just, that's the image that you just created. You're banging your head on this. Yeah. Yeah. Not accomplishing what you want and it's probably annoying them. Yes. And once you see it working a few times, it becomes easy to do. You realize, boy, I don't need that headache. Much better to let people feel understood first. Then they're so much easier to deal with. I think this is why you've sold so many copies of this book. Mm. I mean, right on the cover, it says over 2 million copies sold. It's more than that, because that was 2012 when that number, so it's probably a lot more. But I was more, more amazed that it's 25 languages, because there's some very specific rules of the communication game. Certain cultures, you know, Japanese are very hierarchical. India has that, too. Mm. Uh, uh, so Rick and I were amazed that that could translate, but it's seems like everybody in the world can relate to it. And it's catching on. It's, it's something that we all think about, at least at a subconscious level. How do I deal with people I can't stand? Because I run into them all the time. Mm-hmm. And this approach that you're suggesting starts inside of yourself with your commitment to, to volunteer, show up as the listener, Postpone your need to be understood until you satisfy them, Mm -hmm. that you understand them. And that opens up some walls for the next step, which I I think you put it in your book as talk to be understood or express to be understood. What was the wording that you used, Rick? I think speak to be understood. Speak to be understood. I noticed something about that. Your agenda is exactly the same as with listening. It's just we're switching roles now. Yeah. Uh-huh. We're not speaking to persuade or convince or rebut. Mm-hmm. We're speaking to be understood. Can you just right. talk to that one for a minute? Yeah. You know, I think it's very useful to think of communication like a phone number. You need all the digits. You need them in the right order. If you have a 10-digit number, you turn a 6 into a 9. It's only 10% error. The call does not get through. If you dial the area code at the end as an afterthought, the call does not get through. Now, what I found is uh, intent is your area code. 
uh, of the numbers. So let me give you an example when this became clear to me. I'm in my office with a couple. It's the end of the visit. Everybody's feeling good. She suddenly turns to him and goes, honey, let's go to the Rose Gardens. And he goes, nah. And she goes, okay. And I go, wait a second. Why do you want to do that? What's your intent? She says, well, we're feeling close. We have in a long time. We have an hour before I have to pick up the kids. I thought it'd be nice to spend some quiet time together. He says, that's a great idea. I don't want to be outside too hot, too buggy. How about the cafe we've been meaning to try? Now, spending time together is the intent. Intent is the overall purpose. That's your area code. Rose Gardens is just a way to do that. But why Rose Gardens line at dinner for two? The answer is criteria. You know, maybe they, okay, they only have an hour, so there's a time criterion. Maybe geography, it's on the way home, so that fits with the time. Maybe there's budget, it won't cost anything. Maybe there's atmosphere, it's a special place, romantic place, or a place of no meaning where they could be uh, fresh with each other. Right. So in any communication, there is an intent, there's criteria, and then there's the communication. That's the order of things. But I've noticed in human behavior, usually people don't say their intent or criteria. They just do what she did and goes, let's go to the Rose Gardens. And he just thinks, Zzzit. nah. <laughs> now, if, she was, if she's communicating clearly, I suggest to people go intent, criteria, idea. So she would go, honey, you know, I've, we've been feeling close. We're having a long time. I thought it'd be nice to spend some quiet time together. Intent. That's the intent. So what's, I'm thinking what'll fit within an hour, be on the way home, won't cost anything, it'd be a nice quiet place. What do you think about going to the Rose Gardens? At that point, he would get what the intent is and he goes, well, you know, I don't want to be outside. What about inside? How about the cafe we mean and try? So now he's in alignment with that. Now, at, yes. but you can't depend on people to communicate clearly. And what I, what I instruct people as conscious communicators expect people not to communicate clearly. So the first thing you need to understand when you're going for understanding first is what's their intent, what's their criteria. So his first response shouldn't be, nah. He'd go, well, why do you want to do that? That would reveal, oh, it'd be nice to spend some quiet time together. Good idea. Well, what makes you say Rose Gardens? Well, it's on the way home, blah, 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 blah. The criteria. That's the order of things. And I urge people to learn, learn to speak intent, criteria, idea. And when people present you with something, respond with, hmm, what's your intent right now? Why would we do that? What are the factors? And uh, that will speak to be understood and you'll understand. Here we are talking about how we can deal with people we can't stand. And mm -hmm. the title of your book is Dealing with People You Can't Stand. <laughs> uh -huh. Over two, well, over two million copies, a couple of dozen languages. This is accessible uh, wherever you are in, in the world. I would strongly recommend, folks, you go look at this because Rick and I have been talking today about some of the specifics from the book and starting with that communication core. And then, Rick, you get into in the book. Uh, 13 or so different behaviors or, mm -hmm. or personality styles that uh, drive us nuts and how to apply this specifically with each of those. Valuable book. Rick, you're also speaking. Um, you've got some, some offerings on your website. What can people expect if they visit and where would you like them to go? Well, the best place to go is uh, Dr. Rick Brinkman, DR. Rick Brinkman at 
www.ethicsofmarketing.com. And, you know, depending on what your learning style is, there's, there's books, there's audios of live seminars. Uh, certainly all the books are on Audible if you prefer listening to the books. Um, there's an online class, Conscious Communication University, that has characters and, and skits and goes through all the different uh, behaviors. There's Professor McFly, who reminds you to be a fly on the wall. And then there's Professor Bologorotko. He's a disembodied floating head, and he's the head of the department. So there's all these skits. Uh, there's online course. There's training kits for a, a team to do to get together. Uh, yes. Every form format possible. You know, as I've gone through the yeah. years of doing this, people have different needs and styles. So it's it's yeah. all there. Sure. Well, thank you, Rick, and thank you for joining us here at Live on Purpose Radio Thanks. today. Thanks for having me. You've heard it from the doctor himself, Dr. Rick Brinkman. There's a dot com for that, spelled D-R, Rick, R-I-C-K, Brinkman, B-R-I-N-K-M-A-N. Go check him out and get a hold of this book, Dealing with People You Can't Stand, as well as the other fabulous titles that you're going to find there. It's time now, folks, for all of us to go live on purpose. <music>